This is the Bluegrass Beat Podcast. News, training, and first-hand accounts from Kentucky's leading law enforcement professionals and instructors. And here's your host, Critley Kingsmith. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bluegrass Beat. I'm Critley Kingsmith. Inclusive? Inclusiveness? Inclusivity? I'm sure you've heard some variation of those words during human resource trainings at work on the nightly news, or from one of your friends. But have you heard of inclusive leadership? Joining us to talk about what inclusive leadership is and how to implement it for a thriving and cohesive agency is Kentucky Department of Criminal Justice Training Administrative Division Director Michael Bogan. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Thanks, Creeley. It's great to be with you today. Now, Mike, I believe you've taught about this topic during the Police Executive Command course. Is that right? That is correct. Um, I taught this class in the fall of 2021 at the Police Executive Command course, also known as PEC. Um, In that classroom were the chiefs from across the state, and uh, they did a great job in collaborating and giving feedback, and for that I am grateful. So just to start off, can you define inclusive leadership for our listeners and then break down for our law enforcement and telecommunicators what that specifically means for them in their fields. So inclusive leadership is leaders who are aware of their own blind spots, preferences, and biases, and they actively seek out information or ideas from other people, work with them, and the goal is to come up with better decision-making. Sounds like it's really, it is a collaborative form of leadership. That's correct. Now, previously in a conversation before we turned the microphones on and started recording, You mentioned attributes that an inclusive leader needs to develop. Can you just run over those for us really quickly? There are visible commitment, humility, curiosity about others, cultural intelligence, and effective collaboration. So what does it mean to employees for them to see their leader have visible commitment? What what is that, and how does it make the employees feel? Visible commitment comes in two forms. It's spoken and it's demonstrated. And both have to match. It's important that your behavior matches what you say for credibility purposes. Actions that don't match your words will affect your credibility. Good interpersonal discipline includes consistent and clear speech and the ability to listen and understand. But when you demonstrate that visible commitment, um, I think it empowers people. It encourages people because i I've been married uh, almost 30 years in any type of relationship demonstrating a visible commitment is, 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 is important. Now, I'm not an officer. I'm coming to this from the civilian public information side of law enforcement, but I've been around a lot of cops. And one thing you hear a lot about is honor. How does visible commitment and holding not only one's employees, but also oneself accountable fit into that core value that our law enforcement family holds so very dear? What police officers do is about larger purpose, being a part of something that is bigger than yourself. Law enforcement is an honorable profession that requires selflessness, um, a visible commitment to someone or something that comes at a cost. There will be times where you have to lay down what is comfortable for you for the betterment of others and the goals of your agency. Um, Holding yourself accountable fits into the visible commitment because it requires you to be mindful in what you say and what you do. 
And this requires constant introspection on your part. Visible commitment also means holding others accountable. This isn't always easy, but it is necessary. Fair to do this will undermine the morale, lead to indifference. Gotcha. Now, you mentioned humility, and I think that is hard for everyone. But I can only imagine as a leader, you know, sometimes it can be hard to admit you're wrong. As a human being, it's impossible to be right all the time. And when you admit that you're wrong, it demonstrates a level of humility that is important in relationship building. It's important when you lead people because they get to see a side of you that is you're not a robot. You know, you're, you're a human being and you're fully capable of getting it wrong. But showing that side of you, I think, is an important attribute to have. You know, I'm going to get it wrong, but I know that there's some saying out there that talks about a good leader taking a little more than their share of the blame and a little less than the share they deserve of the credit. And, you know, I don't know exactly about that. That saying has always stuck with me. But I do know as an employee how good it makes me feel, whether it's childish or not. But when my supervisor or the people above them brag or give me credit for something that I might have worked really hard on, you know, it's, it's kind of like a kid with their parents. It makes you feel good. It makes you happy. And I dare say it makes you want to try harder so that you can keep that momentum. No, I think you're on the money. Words of affirmation are invaluable. Uh, giving people credit where it is due goes a long way in lifting up people's countenance. Credit given or an encouraging word can lift people out of the pit that they're in. Uh, words have meaning and the wise use of that can change everything. One of the attributes that was on your list was curiosity about others. Now, I know as an employee, this can translate as my boss cares about me. And I know from personal experience, you know, back when I first joined DOCJT, I hadn't been employed here for very long at all until I went through some really tough stuff. My heart was so touched because my supervisor at the time, the people above him, um, my supervisor now, who was my coworker at the time, they went out of their way to make sure that I felt that I was cared for. They had been invested in me throughout the entire problem. At that point, and to this day, because of how they acted then, I have felt included in this agency. Whereas if I had had a different, you know, atmosphere when I was going through this time, um, that wouldn't have been the case. But that feeling has carried over. So can you talk to me about, you know, being curious in your employees and what that does for your agency? Sure, no problem. This is something that I've grown very comfortable in doing. Um, I've been here at DOCJT for about, about two and a half years. And early on, I remember sitting down with various members here and just listening to their biography. What it did for me was I got to learn where they're from, I got to learn their motivations, um, their perceptions, why do they feel the way that they do. And in other instances, I've done it as well throughout my career. We're just sitting down with people from various parts of the state. What eventually happens is things start to break down. What I mean is political affiliations no longer matter. Where they're from, city or suburban area, doesn't matter. How much is in a bank account doesn't matter. What happens is you start to see the humanity of people. When you get to learn their perceptions, why do they think the way that they think, and where do these things come from, and you begin to really see the, the origins of what shapes people. When that happens, I think you find it, it, it humanizes both of you, because when they share with me, I share with them eventually happens is you start to find similarities. 
more similarities and differences. And at that point, I think when it comes to relating with others, it becomes much more easy. Also, you, it gives you the opening to learn about some skill sets within your agency or your employees that you might not otherwise have known about if you just hadn't taken the time to ask. And that is absolutely correct. You will learn there are skill sets, capabilities. There is uh, different ways of thinking uh, because you know, as a leader, I don't know everything. My experiences are somewhat limited in certain areas, but there are people that I work with who have experience in other areas and I lean on that. It's okay to, to surround yourself with people with different skill sets or, or different levels of knowledge. You know, no matter who we are, we all come to the table with our own biases about any number of things, even if those are unbeknownst to us, based on who we are, where we were raised, who raised us, what our beliefs are, or culture is. So how do we, as leaders or as humans, set aside those preconceived notions to better lead our agencies and at the same time, be better people? That's a great question. I like to begin by defining cultural intelligence. I've seen this definition. It varies depending upon where you go. But simply, the way I define it is the ability to work with others who think differently than you do or perhaps have different perceptions than you do, working together to accomplish a common goal. But I do want to be clear about, about something here is there are cultures that vary. You aim to learn to understand. doesn't always have to equal agreement, and that's okay. It's okay to work with others who you may not agree on certain things, but you can set that aside and respect them and work for a common goal. But I do agree that we all do bring preferences and biases to the table, but as a leader, we can't afford to make assumptions about anybody. Um, really, in life, you can't assume to make assumptions about people. you got to be careful about doing that. Right, exactly. But I believe a, a combination of humility, effective collaborating with others, and curiosity with others are good steps to break in that bias mindset. When I talk about bias, I like to break that down a little bit because people tend to think that with bias, we tend to go to skin color, but it's much deeper than that. So some examples I can come up with is, you know, younger versus older. I know how often have I, I think I'm at that age now where I, I have to check myself because if you're born after or during a certain time, I assume you may not understand where I'm right. coming from. Yes. So that's an easy assumption. And and likewise, you know, younger people may think that older people don't have wisdom or they're out of touch. That's not true. Um, it could be educated, those who have been to college and those who haven't. Assumptions can be made for those who didn't go to college. I've worked with people who didn't go to college or some of the most intelligent people I've ever been around, you know, inner city versus suburbs. Right. You know, and, and a little bit of humor here is University of Louisville versus University of Kentucky. <laughs> oh, those, that, that's an interesting rivalry around here, isn't it? <laughs> it, it is. I've learned I'm the only one here. But, uh, but for the record, there's there's been no bias here. Hey, now, I think I've seen some other some other UofL uh, shirts running around here during our uh, Team Spirit Week. Oh, really? <laughs> I have to meet these people. I haven't, have yet to see them. <laughs> <laughs> you just might be one of our more vocal. <laughs> true, true. Oh, but no problems with that. But truly taking time to get to know people it will give you a balanced view of humanity. Uh, I, I believe that whether east to west, north or south, when you sit down with people and get to know them on a human level, you can bridge gaps because oftentimes things are assumed based on social media, based on other people's perceptions of stories. If you're not careful, you can formalize the wrong impression of somebody. But just take the time and sit down and get to know them, and you will break down those barriers. And people will surprise you with skill sets, it will surprise you with things that they enjoy, things that they don't. 
All right. So how does this all come together? This concept of inclusive leadership to create effective collaboration within many things, but in this case, specifically a police department. Well, first, uh, allow me to define effective collaboration, which really is about empowering others to contribute, paying attention to diversity of thought. We all think differently for different reasons. Uh, Managing the fear of failure. I think the fear of failure, if you're not careful, could be an obstacle for people. Failing is a difficult thing to handle, but if if you're aware, you can learn from that. Sometimes your your best teachers is from failure. But if you fear that, you won't take chances. You won't take risks. Um, there's certain things that you just won't do because of that. But you have to manage that as a leader and then focusing on team cohesion. But once you've demonstrated these attributes um, that we've already talked about, we've already talked about visible commitment, humility, curiosity about others, and culture intelligence. But if you do these things, the likelihood of effective collaboration is high. It doesn't guarantee it, but the likelihood of success is is high. But while collaborating, I feel that it's important to outline expectations and goals to the staff. Give some autonomy to those that you work with. I believe in people that you work with have already demonstrated a skill, a knowledge in their field. So give them autonomy. Give them a chance and ownership to make decisions. As long as you give them the parameters of what you expect, allow them to make decisions and to do that. But when that happens, it, it empowers them. Now, what are some things that our listeners, specifically our listeners out there that are in supervision roles, they need to be looking out for as they develop their inclusive leadership skills? Well, things to look out for is number one is check your ego at the door. Ego is something that we all have to deal with. And the checking of your ego is a daily process. The second thing is I'm a strong believer in prayer. Uh, having a strong prayer life. I don't know how many times I've prayed and God has given me provision, has given me guidance on what to do. And in my experience, when you do that, he'll give you what you need to succeed. Third thing is develop a clear and cohesive mission because at some point there will be distractions. At some point there'll be some disagreement and that's okay. But having a strong and clear mission will refocus the group and refocus what you're trying to do. And it puts us all on the same page because as a mission, we've all agreed that this is a mission of where we're trying to go. And once we have that agreement, we can unify and reach our mission. Uh, the fourth thing is surround yourself with people who will tell you the truth, even when it hurts. I prefer people who shoot me straight because to me, that's love is when you don't allow somebody to crash and burn. Step in there, be honest with the leader. And I applaud that. Um, because if you don't do this, problems will persist at some point and they'll come back and bite you later. And the final thing is uh, seek those who have wisdom and learn from them. Well, hopefully everyone can take a bit of this information and start implementing inclusive leadership in their departments. Thank you for being with us, Mike. I enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here. All right. And everyone, thank you for listening. More information about today's topic can be found in this episode's show notes. Remember, you can find us on DOCJT's website under the training tab, on Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. Until next time, I'm Cripley King-Smith, and you have been listening to The Bluegrass Beat. I hope you join us again. We strive to make this podcast entertaining and informative. If you would like to reach us with a comment or suggestion, contact us via the link in the show notes. You can subscribe to The Bluegrass Beat wherever you listen to podcasts. This has been a Team Kentucky and Department of Criminal Justice Training production.